Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Welcome to the In the Clouds podcast. This is Bobby Tishy, along with Cole Fisher and Nick Burgraff, and we have a special guest today that uh, I'd like to introduce, uh, Ryan McCambridge. Ryan is our Managing Director of Strategy here at Lev, and I've had the pleasure of working with Ryan at uh, a couple of different places now, um, first at Exact Target, and then through Salesforce, um, and then here at Lev. Uh, so Ryan, if you wouldn't mind just giving yourself a brief intro, that'd be great. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, really have enjoyed the series of content that you guys have released so far, and I'm just excited to be a part of the conversation today. Like you said, I lead our strategy and thought leadership group uh, here at Lev, and my job is really just to listen to our customers and, and understand what they're doing and what their challenges are and helping them to understand how they could think about optimizing their ROI and their investments in their technology stack specifically as it relates to Salesforce, but sometimes in other products that uh, are integrating and uh, amplify what they're doing in marketing. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for joining us and excited to talk through today a very hot topic, not only in uh, the Salesforce ecosystem, but I think in general in technology, the notion of customer 360, and we'll be speaking specifically about how it relates to Salesforce but really the whole notion of how do we get a single view of a person, of a customer, of a subscriber, of a constituent, whatever industry we're thinking of, how do we get a single view of someone across all the different platforms across a tech stack? And so what we want to talk through today is what is customer 360 as it relates to Salesforce? How are they positioning it? When is it going to be available? And then run through a sample use case of where it will really be helpful and some of the elements will be important as you start to consider customer 360 as a solution. To put a caveat on this, there is no general release date at this time for customer 360 that Salesforce has provided other than I think later this year or beginning of next year. And so there's no specific timetable at this point, but as a, consultancy and as folks who are talking to customers each day about this exact problem, we thought it was really relevant to start down this path so you guys can hear our perception on it as well as get a better sense of what Salesforce means when it talks about customer 360. So Ryan, I'd love for you to go ahead and give a high level overview of customer 360 and what it is as it relates to Salesforce. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? There's these uh, really um, buzzwordy topics that are out in the industry, as you were saying, is this a CDP? Is this um, is this a golden record database? What exactly is customer customer three hundred and sixty? And I think Salesforce is being very intentional of not calling it any of those things. Uh, but what they are trying to define it as is a single way of identifying a customer across multiple different 
keys that that particular customer could have. So uh, I'm, I'm probably oversimplifying it in the eyes of Salesforce, but it, it really is a key store. Um, it's saying, hey, this traditional way of how Salesforce has been bringing about integration between their products doesn't scale, right? They ask you to integrate the data and then actually move it between products. And quite honestly, that's just not this, that's not scalable. It's not effective. It's not efficient. And they, they needed to solve for that. And their solution for that is this customer 360 um, solution that is going to allow for this solution to understand and do matching and decisioning based on information between systems and then store those keys in customer 360 so that if an event is happening in one system that needs the other system to do something because of that event, it, it knows who that person is. And if an event is occurring in one system, that's a new event, it knows how to tie that information back to an existing customer within that system as well. So I think this is a really powerful concept. I think it's a really smart architectural idea for how Salesforce wants to bring this to market. The other component of it is they're not walling it off to their garden either. So um, from what we understand, in addition to the Salesforce ecosystem, this will have an integration protocol, whether that's API um, or you can do it through um, manual data integrations into one of the platforms you can tie in other tertiary systems into this to continue understanding who those customers are and, and what they're doing as it relates to what's important in your ecosystem. So this is long overdue. I think there's a lot of solutions out here that are probably half baked or three quarters baked and some probably fully baked um, where people have said, hey, we don't have time to wait, but this is gonna be extremely powerful for, for those who don't have that fully baked solution and says saying, hey, how do I, how do I bring about a best in class solution to offer scalability and growth for my company as my investments in other technology grow as well as the expectations on the experiences my customers have. So um, I know that was a long winded way of saying 360 is here to help you understand your customer and bring transparency to your customer across systems faster. There are two main things that you mentioned that stuck out to me and I think that we hear a lot and I'm sure you do too. One is about having data in a way where we're not just duplicating it in the source system, so to speak, within the Salesforce realm, but rather interconnecting them through that key store that you mentioned. The, the customers that I work with that are ahead of the game, especially on the technology front, always push back when it's the talk of data duplication, right? Why are we taking the data from the data warehouse and then putting it into sales cloud and then having sales cloud pushed into marketing cloud. Why can't we just have it in one place and then have it marry it up all together from there, which I think is, is a solution that this will help provide for, for sure. I think the other element too that you had mentioned is how do we um, integrate with other, other systems outside of the Salesforce realm. I think that as it started to come out, a lot of the questions that we got were, well, is this only gonna be for the more I, invest, I, more I invest in Salesforce, the more I'll be able to use it? And I think the answer to that is probably yes, yet to be seen for sure, but I'd be surprised if it wasn't. But at the same time, to your point, they're not putting up that walled garden, they're providing a level of integration where whatever other system we need to include, we can. 
Yeah, I think you have to give credit to Salesforce for that, right? I think their perspective is always APIs, APIs, APIs. How can we make this open? How can we make this more available to our customers? So, you know, hats off to them on that. Um, but again, I, it, that, that could be a byproduct of, if they know if they want to grow and solve these problems, allowing for that is just going to, it's going to make them even more desirable. I think to your point earlier, there are a ton of companies and industries that are going to benefit from this. I think one area where we see a lot of potential for this is on the retail side, especially if we think about folks who are not only B2C and direct to consumer, but also wholesalers and B2B. So I kind of look at this from the lens of, as an example of a, a speaker manufacturer and the background that they've got on the B2B side, they've got this B2C direct um, as well. They're not only a wholesaler to their channel, um, but they're also a technology company. So a lot of their speaker technologies implemented and integrated into other speakers out there too. And they are, are fully fledged seven different elements of Salesforce, but they've also got a ton of different technology outside of the platform. And as we've continued to talk with them, they're a prime candidate. I think a lot like other retailers would be where we need to see that kind of um, connected view where data from other systems need to be interconnected, but also we need to be able to marry up this data without having to duplicate it or wait on an ETL job to send it over to be, you know, waited on for a period of time. It's how do we get things, how do we get data faster? How do we not replicate that data? And also how do we manage all of our technology solutions a little bit better? Yeah, and ultimately more moving parts is more risk, right? It's more opportunity for somewhere in that chain to break. And we've seen it, right? We've seen where if, if this one component that really isn't critical path, but has to be done because um, by the design of how these integrated products work fails, it, it just, it really has cascading impacts across the business. And then as you were talking about retail and specifically in, in those uh, CPG use cases, there's, there's a demand to get into direct to consumer and traditional wholesale, um, wholesale and consumer good spaces. And, uh, that means you have to know who your customer is. Obviously you need to know who your suppliers and distributors are, but if you're going to get into that, uh, direct to consumer space, expect those expectations from those consumers who traditionally might've been working with your wholesalers and distributors and retail stores to now want that same experience with you. So you're not off the hook. And so a solution like this is going to be really critically important, probably doubly important because you do have a B2B and a B2C component of your business. What would you say to folks that are looking at building this kind of solution rather than trying to implement what Salesforce has done? And the reason I ask is because I think that for more engineering or technology-minded organizations, that's the route they're going to go because they feel like their own solution would be better. But curious on your take of you know building versus buying, especially for something like this. I, I think that there's just risk if you build it yourself. The, the reason I say that and the rationale behind that is there's always going to be key decision makers that are making these uh, critical business decisions around how do we identify and score and match our data right? And then that's a snapshot in time. Well, we all know something is going to happen next, right? I mean, it was social and then now it's mobile and now now it's like IoT. What's the next thing that's going to come online that's going to need to integrate into your enterprise approach to making that golden record? 
that uh, the new the new organization might not know what you've done already. Whereas I think Salesforce brings a product that um, I'm hoping, and from what I'm seeing, is going to be very user friendly. Right? It's going to have the marketer and and the end user in mind to configure and understand what business rules have been made. You know, we go into customers and we ask what they're doing now, and and a lot of them just they don't really know. Right? It's been built by an IT team or and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just, it's a gap, right? Where new people come in, um, those people with historical knowledge leave, and nobody really understands exactly what's happening um, within their own system. So can it be done? Can it be done well? Yeah, I think we see that all over the place, Bobby. You know, we have world-class customers who are doing this. I just think that a solution that's uniquely designed to solve this problem in a very um, specific way that's using UX and UI to make that simple for the marketer and for the end user is going to be a super compelling, um, a super compelling use case that's going to be hard to to overcome when it comes to building versus uh, using a tool like this. What well, any other thoughts you have on customer three hundred and sixty that you'd include here? I'm trying to think of any other kind of point of clarity or context that would be helpful, but curious what you think. I mean, the last thing I would leave people with is just if you're currently in the ecosystem, I, I think just be prepared that there's going to be some unwinding and, and um, redevelopment that your team's probably going to have to do. You know, the ecosystem, as it continues to grow, I, these are growing pains that uh, I, I don't think are uncommon for uh, new technologies that come out like this. But just be, be prepared. Um, you know, we're, we're happy, obviously, to, to spend some time with you to think about what um, components we think would be impacted as you think about bringing on customer 360, whether that's how you've selected your subscriber keys, um, you know, what is truly database of record as this key store comes online and changes the way data is really going to be moving. So all I would say is be patient as it comes. Um, consult with your partners, whether that's us or another um, certified partner in the ecosystem, lean on them. Um, uh, because there will be there will be a an effort. I, it's to be determined on how heavy of a lift it is, but I would uh, just make sure that you know it's not it's not going to be turnkey per se or a light switch on and off where all of a sudden you know this data just knows um, about all the other data around it, and uh, it's definitely some unwinding that's going to have to be done here. So be patient, leverage your partners, make sure that you're not trying to go at it alone. Um, but overall, I, I'm pretty excited on on where this product's going and, and the perspective and the investment that Salesforce is putting into making it a reality. I would encourage people to see the forest through the trees, right? Understand that, like you mentioned, it's going to be an iteration or an iterative process, not only as Salesforce releases it, but as organizations implement it. But the, the ultimate outcome will be really beneficial for organizations and their tech stack for sure. I think I think a lot too about how this isn't really a new concept. It you know it's it's something that we as marketers have been talking about for years, um, and even you know patchwork creating for a, a number of organizations. Um, but yeah, in that in that same concept of you know do we build this ourselves uh, or do we use this productized Salesforce um, version? Uh, you know when you think about that, I think about all the work that goes into trying to backtrack some of the large scale implementations that we've, we've done that have been similar to this. We've talked about like the 360 view of a customer for years now. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we've done a pretty good job of executing on that with 
uh, with a number of customers, but it's, it's going to be a lot to unwind. And I think about like when you talk about that, that build versus buy, like what, what happens right now when we go through, um, you know, with a lot of these customers that have done this in the past that have built this type of view in the past, what are they, what all they get, are they going to have to unravel? Um, and do they have the key resources in place that were there when we built it? You know, thank you know, hopefully they have a partner that was, you know, well-documented and, and, um, you know, still uh, has the ability to navigate what they've done in the past. But yeah, I think patience is a good point because it's, it's going to be undoing that, or if you build it, trying to add to it down the road, that's, that's going to be a lot to handle. So the productized version of this um, hopefully is the savior to that pain point. So Cole, just to add on to that, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is important um, to think about is that a lot of the products that Salesforce owns today that are being integrated in these uh, not so scalable ways are have been acquisition products. So they all have their own key issues, right? Like none of them were ever developed to say, hey, one day I, I hope to be acquired and be able to easily integrate into the, the, the composite key concept at Salesforce. So I think that's an advantage, right? Because Salesforce has to figure this out with systems that are quote unquote theirs now um, but with known components that are difficult, which are these unique keys, like Commerce Cloud having its own unique key, um, Marketing Cloud having its own unique key, same thing with Sales and Service Cloud. So, you know, if they can get this done and they do it right, I think this this could be a product that people just buy to manage their key stores, even if they're not using Salesforce. So lots of opportunity, lots of upside. I'm excited to see how this unwinds over the next uh, couple months. For sure. Well, thanks again for joining, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Moving on to completely unrelated. And uh, I'm going to start because I, uh, I was thinking about a skill that I wish that I had. And uh, there are many because I don't, uh, <laughs> don't have uh, many. I'm what you would call a completely talentless. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my, my wife, who uh, is a property developer, is renovating this property right now and I decided that one day I was going to help her so I took the day off I was ripping up carpet taking off trim you know feeling like the true Tim Allen Tim the Toolman Taylor just out of curiosity Bobby what pray tell were you wearing when you uh well, that's a good question Cole I was wearing bib overalls that my father-in-law had bought me from Rural King, and for those of you not in Indiana Rural King is a uh, kind of like a hardware slash farm store and I was wearing these overalls while I was doing this, and I, I saw a piece of trim behind the toilet in the bathroom. And I thought, like, I tried to get it out, and I couldn't because the angle was wrong. So I said, well, sort of said to myself, well, we're not going to keep the toilet, so I'll just pull the trim as hard as I can and break the wood trim, and then it'll snap, and it'll be fine. So I go ahead and start pulling. It's like, gosh, this is really hard. This, this trim is really strong. Well, uh, long story short, the trim was stuck on the water pipe behind the toilet. And I just decided to continue to pull this thing until it broke. And it broke the water pipe off of the wall, not at the switch, off of the wall. And so water just sprays everywhere. And... I try to I try to stick my thumb in the water pipe, and for those of you who have ever dealt with any kind of water, know that that's not going to stop anything. <laughs> so then I I try to find the the water shut off, 
I can't find it. So I start, I run outside, I start yelling for Joni and I'm running around the house. <laughs> All whilst wearing bib overalls, mind <laughs> you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Long story short, uh, my wife uh, was able to turn off the water because I am not handy or have any skill of any kind whatsoever. And she's much more handy than I am. And my father-in-law came about a half hour later and uh, found the water sh shut off valve. So I know where it is from now on. So when she shut it off, did she tell you immediately or let you kind of continue with laps around the house? Oh, no, she let me continue with laps around the house. <laughs> yeah, I took a couple laps around the house. And uh, when I saw the water finally going down after trying to stop it with each one of my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one's a five eighths. <laughs> so Cole, what about you? Um, I, you know what? Honestly, I, I've, uh, there's a lot of things I'm really bad at. Uh, but if I could change one thing or become like really good at one thing, it would be being amazing at names and faces. I think that's a huge skill. I think it's one that's like I'm genetically predisposed to just now. There must be synapses in the brain that I lack when it comes to names and faces. I have like a Rolodex of probably a hundred. And if I haven't seen you in six months, there's like zero chance I'll remember your name. I can definitely confirm there are brain synapses <laughs> that you're missing. <laughs> we, know, we know that for sure. Including this one, considering one of the Salesforce meetings we were at, you called the RVP <laughs> the wrong name, which was oh, just, just great. I'm, I'm just awful at it. I, I, honestly, I went to a class one time, a seminar, on how to remember names. And there was this guy who had been on the Oprah show, former NBA player, and he, and he went on the Oprah show and he remembered, he met everybody in the audience. And then on the show, he actually just went, and they, they would point people out, like, what's her name? And he'd say her name, where she was from, and some fact about her, you know? An amazing thing. And I, I got home from it. I was, I was in high school at the time, because it's always been a lifelong problem. And I got home from it at the time, and um, I, my dad asked me, he goes, how was it? I was like, it was great. I think I'm going to be amazing at names. He was like, oh, who gave the seminar? And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's impossible for me. The only thing I got out of that whole story was that you watched Oprah. I, did, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't watch Oprah. The guy was famous for being on the Oprah show and being like world-renowned at how good at names and faces he was. Uh, hey, I'm just glad he didn't say Donahue. <laughs> oh man nick how about you oh i'm i'm really good at everything yeah so, he's got all the talents <laughs> i got yeah i got uh i am handy i'll give you that bobby but uh the one thing i am am bad at and uh it's it's actually good i came from a division of nbc sports so you'd think i'd be a sport guy but uh we're watching uh espn in the background here I have no idea how anybody retains sport knowledge, and it, it is a definite crutch to a lot of the man-to-man -man conversations of, hey, you got your game last night? Oh, yep, sports ball? <laughs> <laughs> Who's winning the football match? <laughs> that is a skill I wish I had, the small talk about sports games. Ryan, how about you? Well, I, I definitely fall into the same camp as Cole, where I, I do get jealous of people who can just recall people's names. I, I just remember Scott Dorsey being a guy like that, the old CEO of Exact Target. I literally met him for like two seconds walking out of a hotel in a blizzard. And six months later, I ran into him and he's like, oh, yeah, Ryan, I, I wish we had more time to talk as you as we were. I'm like, oh, my gosh, super jealous. Um, I mean, for me, I. I I grew up with a father who everybody loved. And uh, one of the talents that he really had was just understanding how to connect with people on a different level. And, you know, it's so easy to fall into a trap. And, and I think a lot of us here, and especially in these kind of roles where 
we're the type A, very extroverted personalities. And I, I, I need to be better of a better listener because I really think that learning how to stop, pause and, and listen more is, is such a critical trait to, um, to making people feel included and, and really feeling like you have a, a deeply vested interest in what they're trying to do. So those are, that's some of the struggle that I, that I, uh, I fight with every day and wish I was better with, which is, uh, maybe not talking so much. I could talk forever. Right. And then this is why I love these kind of things like podcasts, but, uh, maybe ha- having the wherewithal to know when to stop and listen more than, than always trying to insert suggestions or, or thoughts into a conversation. So that for me, that's, that's, Ryan, a what you say? I, I wish you say, Ryan, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thanks again, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. As always, you can email us at inthecouds at levdigital.com. Again, that's inthecouds at levdigital.com. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Bob, Bobby is, uh, has a special on handyman services if you need anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look him up. Free 99. Uh, take care, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>